It's great to have you with us from wherever you're tuning in from. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app. We hope this message inspires and helps you to take your next steps in your journey. Great worship, hey. Really, really, really good worship. I hope that's pumped you up and uh, got you excited. Well, it's great to be here again, week three of Battle Ready. And I've got one question for you. Who's your daddy? Is actually Palm Sunday. Now, Palm Sunday, in case you aren't a regular um, part of the church, you might go, why do people put palms outside the church on Sunday, on the week before Easter, or they've got them tied up around the place or on the stage. Well, it's an important day because this is the first day of what they would say in the traditional church is the first day of the Holy Week or the week leading up to the crucifixion of Christ. And it was a significant day because it was when Jesus rode into Jerusalem from Lazarus's house. There's a whole heap of information in that, which I won't tell you now. And he rides into Jerusalem on a donkey. And people saw him coming down and they got their palm branches and they waved them around and they ripped their jackets off and they threw it down in front of him, which was a tradition of a king who had just come from a battle and was riding into the city on a pony or a donkey um, and they put the palm branches in front to symbolize that here was the king who's bringing peace which is a great concept for this last week of being battle ready. Because here's the truth. You have the victory. Here's the truth. The battle has been won. That Jesus Christ come and he fought your battle for you. And so when we sang that song just now, that victory is yours. The question we've got is, do we decide to take it and own it or do we just talk about it? And that's why today as we go into and the final part of this series called Battle Ready, it's really important because I'm sure, and I'm speaking to people all over the place, there's a battle going on. There is a battle going on. 150 pastors met at King's Park on Thursday, Wednesday this week, were praying over our city. There is a battle on. There is a battle happening and we need to be aware of it and maybe... The struggles you're going through right now are all part of that battle. But here's the truth. You have the victory. And I'm hoping that today, maybe you might find an opportunity to have someone pray for you and claim that victory on your life. That whether it's after the service or somewhere, we need to pray into that because you have the victory. Jesus said, the victory is mine. It gives it to you. And so you have the victory. We just got to claim it. So as we go into this, the important part of this series comes from John 10, which really sets us up. And it says this, the thief comes, sorry, John 10, 10, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. Here's what the thief does comes to steal your joy. Yeah, I, I can't understand why Christians look so sour. Hey, because you shouldn't be. 
but the enemy comes to steal our joy out of Christians, but out of life, out of everybody. He steals our peace. He will steal your hope. He will steal your family. He will steal your career. He will steal the things that will bring you down. Because if I can steal those things and get you in the, 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 the defeated stage, then he wins. And that's what we've got to understand in my new role at Teen Challenge at the moment. I'm seeing um, lives, especially through Shalom, seeing lives that have been stolen because of drugs and alcohol and addictive behaviours. It doesn't just steal the life of the individual, but it steals the life of the families. It steals the life of their brothers and sisters. It steals, it breaks relationships down. It destroys family. It destroys our community. The enemy wants to come and to rob and steal society. So we need to be battle ready. And to be battle ready, there's a couple of things that we need to know. It was four o'clock in the morning. My wife suggested that I was snoring, but I don't believe that because I couldn't hear it. Woke me out of my slumber and said, Steve, there's someone in our room. And I gave a good, confident response, which was, huh? Of which she said, no, someone's in our room. So I turned the light on, mostly to scare the person so I didn't have to face them. And I jumped out of bed, no time to put on my Superman suit. I walked out of the room, making sure I turned the lights on to scare whoever was in my house out. And yes, someone had been in our house. They had taken Margie's bling bling stuff and taken a few other bits and pieces and they were out of my house, out the back door. So Steve grabs the keys. He runs out of the house. He gets into his car, and as I'm backing out the driveway, the description that Mark gave me was a big fella with a black hoodie that smelled of alcohol and smoke. That picture started to catch up with my emotions, and fear started to come in. And as I'm driving down the street, slowly taking my foot off the accelerator, I looked and noticed that I wasn't quite dressed for the occasion. Hence, wearing a pair of boxer shorts. Notice I had no shoes on. Looking at my physique, realizing that it's not the physique that is, that is actually ready for intruder conflict. I'm driving down the street. My prayer changes from, Lord, help me find them to, Lord, could you get them hit by a bus first? <laughs> or maybe trip over and knock their head before I find them. So after some time of driving around the streets, I got home and... Uh, and the only success I really had was one, I had no bruises on me. And secondly, I hadn't been caught for running around the streets in my underwear. We, next day we had the guy come and he checked out, out, changed the locks on our house and he gave me some very concerning information. And that was, I need to just tell you, your house is not burglar proof. I said, well, really, that's obvious. He said, look at the door. So he took the door, he said, these locks anyone could open. He said, one yank, and he opens it up. So that's a good point. Not good. Then he suggested that maybe I needed to change my locks, maybe put some sensor lights around the house and make us intruder ready. But here's the truth. Many of us are not intruder ready in our lives. 
Many of us are asleep. Many of us are not dressed for the occasion. Many of us don't even realize and we're not, we're not even expecting anyone to come. And because we're not expecting that, the danger is that we get caught out. And that's why this series is so important. If we don't know we're in the battle, if you don't know there's a battle around you, Wanting to stop you. See, the enemy is not concerned about your wealth, really, because you'll get that again. But he might take that out of you just to get you down and get you concentrating on something else and distract you. He may not even be concerned about your health because if you're a believer, if you die, you're a winner, right? But if you die and you don't know him, you're not a winner. So we need to be battle ready. And this is what you've been going through over the last few weeks. First of all, you need to know that you have an enemy. You need to know you have an enemy. It says in 1 Peter 5, which is a letter written by one of the disciples called Peter, and he wrote this letter, and he said, Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking lion, looking for someone to devour. Which is interesting because the lion would sneak up and then he would just roar and the, 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 um, his prey would run out of the bushes where they're hiding. They would run out of the bushes in the open where the other lions would attack them so he had something to eat. The roar scared them out and sometimes we need to be aware that there is a lion that's prowling and if we're not ready, we'll hear the roar and we'll run into the open. And so we need to be prepared. Mark's done a fantastic series, um, talk on this a couple of weeks ago about who the devil is. Because sometimes we just, oh yeah, he's just that one with the little, and the tail. And the, no, he's real. He actually is real. There is a battle going on. And listen to Mark's talk on being, ba- uh, the first talk he did on knowing who you who is your enemy. The second thing that we need to understand is what's our weaponry? If there is a battle after who you are and and your life right now, then what's your weaponry? If you don't know what your weapons are, guess what? You could get caught with your pants down. And so Mark spoke last week, which was a great message about getting suited up for the battle. Make sure you've got that Superman suit on. Make sure you've got a gear on. I love, if you haven't heard it, listen to what he talks about having the bread knife or the sword? What have you got in your hand? What are you ready to fight the enemy with? But the last thing that we need to know isn't just that, it's also we need to understand what is the battlefront. Any good army, first of all, checks out the battlefront. Where am I going to be attacked? Who's, what have they got? What are they going to attack for? Because they've got to be ready for the battle. I need to know what my battlefront is. So I want to talk to you today about your battlefront. And I want to take you, to help us understand what our real battlefront is, I want to take you to Matthew. Matthew was one of the disciples. He was actually one of the ones who wrote the four, one of the four Gospels, the first Gospel that we have in our Scriptures called Matthew. And he's writing mostly to Jewish people. Um, and when he comes to this, he's telling us the story or the account of Jesus is baptism. Now, you've got to remember, Jesus was 30 at this, at this time when he went to be baptized. He got baptized into his ministry as a rabbi of authority. And he's just been baptized in water by John the Baptist. And three people have acknowledged who he is 
including a voice from heaven that says, this is my son. So he's been acknowledged who he is. He's now set. And Jesus goes into the wilderness for 40 days. And this is where we pick up the story. Matthew 4.1. And it says, And Jesus, led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil for 40 days and 40 nights. He fasted and became very hungry. Tell us the obvious. Um, He was hungry 40 days. And look what the devil does. He waits for him to be hungry. He waits for him to be vulnerable. And he says this. During that time, the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God. If you are the Son of God. Turn these rocks into bread. Then it goes further on. And Jesus responds to that and said, Your man shall not live by bread alone. And then he goes a bit further. He takes him up to this, the, the high, uh, high place and he says, again, if you find it in Matthew 4, 3, it says, sorry, 4, 6, it says, if you are the son of God, jump off. The angels will fix you. If you are the son of God. Interesting, the places where the devil was attacking was what? His identity. Then we find at the end of Jesus' ministry, three years later, when he's on the cross, which we said that we remember next weekend, and the people are giving him a hard time, and one of the soldiers shouts out, if you are the son of God. And then Jesus suddenly dies, well not suddenly, eventually he dies, and as he dies, it says, one of the, the, the soldiers looked up and said, truly he is the son of God. Here here is the attack on you and me. Here is the enemy's main target, is your identity. That's his main target, is your identity. And so I've called this the custody battle. This is a battle over who's your dad, who's your father, who's the name at the end that you have over your life. Because there's two fathers we find in the Scripture. There's the father of life, or the father of love, or the father of heaven, our heavenly father, or there's the father of lies. And so we have a custody battle over you. Which one would we identify with? The father of life, or the father of lies? The father of love, or the father of lies? Because the father of lies is active in our world today. And so I want to have a chat about that because we need to know that Mark and I were house parents of a children's home for a little while. And we saw the pain. We saw the hurt. We saw the damage it happens when children are, being, are having the struggle between parents. We've seen the pain and the hurt when a child who's expecting dad to come and visit him doesn't turn up. We've, we've seen the pain of children when, they, when, when mum and dad make promises they can't or won't keep. It's painful. And yet as children of the living God, sometimes we can feel that pain if we decide to live under the lies of the father of lies, who can't keep his promises, who's actually saying things to gain you, 
rather than you gaining him. And so today, the question is, who's your dad? Who's the one that would say, I'm your father? 1 John 3 says this, So what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that they do not know who? Our Father. You see, the love of God is so big, he has said, I'll be your dad. You, you, you've been homeless, you've been fatherless for many years, I'll be your dad. You've been let down by fathers, you've been let down by this world, I'll be your dad. That's how much he loves you. So let's just go and as I say, let's go right now and go, well, who is your dad? And if you don't know Jesus as your dad, if you don't sense in your spirit right now that God is your father, this is, this is the place to be. Because I want to introduce you to some excellence and exciting, easy truths that are yours for the taking if you choose to. The first, let's go to a, a, a letter that was written by Paul to the Galatians. And he's writing this letter to them in Galatians 4.4. 4. And let me just read it to you. It says, But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. At the exact time. Here's the exciting thing. This could be the exact time for you. Whether you've been a believer for a long time, whether you've, you're just starting to question it, this could be your time. To redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. And that includes daughtership. Because you are his sons and daughters, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also his heir. This is a truth we need to understand if we're going to be battle ready. Because if you know that, you've got the victory. So the first, the first question that we have, or the first um, um, invitation, is that of the, what I've called the option of adoption. You have the option of adoption. It's yours. He says that we might be adopted to sonship. Now, let me just give you some facts about adoption. Mark mentioned it last week. But if, you, if, you, if, if someone goes to adopt a child, this is what they have to be prepared for. Number one, it's going to cost you. Who's a parent? Hey, how much does it cost being a parent? And you think that when they get to 18, 19, 20, get married, that it doesn't cost you? Forget it. It carries on, right? Even to when you die, your inheritance goes to them as well. It just keeps on going. But tell me, it's a commitment, it's a cost, and it's going to cost you. You see, your father and your mothers, they were the ones who said, we'll, put the out, we're going to, we'll cover the cost when you're adopted. The other thing that comes when you're adopted is, is you take on a family name. Your name changes on the birth certificate, on your new certificate. Your name changes. Isn't it interesting how Jesus changed a lot of his disciples' names? 
And also, a large portion of your life and time is invested into that child. You want to beat her at the cricket games. Well, this is the option that the Father God gives you. He says, hey, if you come in, I'll be your dad. And if you come, I own the cattle on a thousand hills. I'll look after you. I have authority in heaven and earth. It's okay. It's yours now if you come into my family. You see, he says to you, I'm going to be with you. My, my love will never leave you. That's the commitment of a dad. And this is your, this is your adoption papers. When I was baptized back in 19... Ooh, I won't tell you. A long time ago. And, and I went in the water and I died to self and I come up as a new person. And just like when Jesus came up out of the water and a voice that came from heaven and said, this is my son. You see, that time when the devil comes along and says, Steve, you're not really a child of God. I said, yes, I am. I've got, my, I've got my adoption papers. It's called a baptismal certificate. It's called that time. I, I have been adopted. I am a child of God. And we need to remind ourselves, you are children of the living God. But not only that, we need to be empowered by the endorsement. You see, the moment a father says, this is my child, and takes them into his arms. Because you are, it says there that the spirit of God, or the spirit of my son, is in you. And that spirit cries out, Abba, Father, that is an intimate relational word. And it comes by the Holy Spirit in you. When you become, if you give your life to Jesus, he fills you with his Holy Spirit who identifies with the Son and therefore identifies you with the Father. And so the Spirit inside you wants to cry out, Abba, Father, this is my God. And it's more than just believing. It's about being filled with the Holy Spirit that you might have the, the call, that spiritual call from within you that says, forget it. Devil calls Abba, Father. I was in a youth ministry for a long time, ran a youth, as a youth pastor. And my boy, one of my teenage boys would come along and say, hey, Steve, hey, Steve. And I stopped him one day. We were actually driving home from youth group. And I said, mate, why do you call me Steve? So oh, everyone else in the youth group, I mean, it was a lot of kids, um, all call you Steve. I said, yeah, but you know what? Out of all those 200 young people, you're the only one. You're the only one who can call me dad. You're the only, that's a privilege. Out of all those, you're special, you're significant. You can call me dad. And that's what I think the Father says to us. You can call me dad. You can call me father. You can call me dad Daddy, because when you do, you identify a special relationship. And so you can pray, our Father who art in heaven, because he's your dad. Do you know the Holy Spirit in you that's crying out, Abba, Father? And the last thing that we're invited to do is to initiate our inheritance. We've got to initiate our inheritance. You are heirs, it says. You are heirs of God. You're heirs of the Father. That means that the things that are in heaven now belong to you. And so you carry, you carry a significance. And I want to suggest that sometimes we, we sit around and we go, oh, woe is me, I'm being attacked. No, 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 no. You are heirs of the kingdom of God. 
that means that all the angels in heaven, all the things that are available in heaven, part of yours now because you are a child of God. You are part of the family. And he invites you. He says, this is what I have for you. I have love for you. An abundant love. A love that says, I love just being with you. He won't let you down. He loves you. That's your inheritance. A love of a God that goes on forever and ever and ever. And when you draw a picture, he puts it up on his fridge and says, my son did that. When you sing a song out of tune, he said, that, my, my daughter said that. Because you're, he loves you. You have a position. You have positioned with him. You have a position in his household. He makes a room for you, he says. He promises that. It's got a special room put aside for you. But you also have responsibility. Can I just finish this off by saying this? If the enemy, if the devil, can make you feel like you're less of a child of God, if he can take away your identity, if he can make you question your identity, he knows that the kingdom of God and everything of the kingdom of God is not available on here on earth. Because you carry the kingdom of God because you are a child of God. And when you carry the, the power and the, and the kingdom of God, where you go, when you go to work tomorrow, you get up in the morning and you say, I'm a child of God. So therefore, I take the kingdom of God with me because I'm in his kingdom. I take the kingdom with me. When you're at home, you're a child of God. Remind yourself, get up in the morning, look in the mirror. I'm a child of God. My God has the victory. I'm a child of God. Because that's what the enemy will question you on. If you're the child of God. And you say, yes, I am the child of God. If you don't know that today, I want to ask you today. Here's the, here's the opportunity, especially if you're listening on podcasts. And I, and I say to you, it's, it's, I know it for myself and I know many people who they discovered that there's a God who says, I don't just want to be a ruler over you, I want to be your dad. And I'll forgive you for your sins. And I accept you into my family. Let me tell you, you're in the winning family. You're part of a winning family. And nothing can be taken away from you. Why? Because it belongs to a God who is all-powerful and almighty. Tomorrow when you get up, when you leave this place today, walk out as a child of God, not as a defeated person. Walk out knowing my dad's got the victory. He won it on the cross. Know that I can have all joy in heaven, even though the enemy's going to try and steal your joy. And I know he's done that to me, but I can stand firm and say, he is my God. And all the peace and the joy and the love of heaven can fill me because my daddy owns it. Let me pray. Father God, thank you that today, as we come to this place of being battle ready, we want to get ready by saying we are children of God. And just as Jesus stood firm, and in that scripture it says, stand firm, stand firm, stand firm. We're going to stand firm right now in this place. Stand firm in our relationship with God. And can I just say right now, as you've got your eyes closed, if if you've been doubting your relationship with God, maybe you don't have one. Or maybe you, 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 can I say right now, just say, Father God, 
would you receive me as your child? And if you're a person that, that maybe you've been walking this road for a while and you've doubted, doubted your faith, doubted whether you've been good enough, would you come back home to him and say, Daddy, I want to be back in your household. And maybe you're, you're having a battle right now in your world, in your life, then just speak into that battle and say, but I'm a child of God and everything of heaven is available to me in Jesus' name. We really hope you got a lot out of this message. If you live in the Perth area, we'd love for you to join one of our live experiences. For times and directions, as well as information, head to our website, elevatechurch.me. For those of you beyond the Perth area, we'd love for you to connect with our online experience, which premieres every Sunday via YouTube and Facebook Live and on demand immediately after. And to partner with us to reach more people by giving financially, head to our website, elevatechurch.me and also download our Elevate Church AU app.